Three, four, five. Oh man, I was supposed to plus record on three, wasn't I? Dang it. So I have a I have a, a problem that needs solving, David. As I as I come <laughs> to you many times needing a problem solved, I have a problem that needs solving. All right. Well, I'm I'm ready to hear it, my friend, and I will offer any advice and counsel and solutions that I can. Thank you, thank you, my friend. So, <laughs> the, but see, like many problems that need solving, this started off as a problem well solved at some point, because for somebody, mm. not for me, but for somebody, because one day somebody made a couch. Okay. Right, and they they slapped their couch in their living room. You know, this nice, big, it's a big, comfy place to sit. Mm -hmm. And I I would guess that over a period of many years, they started to get tired of the the couch. They started to get tired of looking at it. You know, the way that that familiar things start to get old and annoying and (laughs) it just, it doesn't look good anymore. And it needs a little, it needs a little life given back into it. So they, they came up with this great idea. They were like, well, what if I take... My pictures, and I put them on the... No, no, I'm just kidding. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I was falling there for a second, and I was trying to picture exactly what you were thinking. (laughs) So, (laughs) what if I take uh, this pillow, because we need pillows. People like pillows to sit on and to put their head against and to... to, And they're soft, right, for a couch. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And they made these these little pillows that they put on the couch and then they thought, well, a boring white pillow will not do. Let's, let's, let's give it some decoration. And so they made these, these beautiful pillows that they placed on their couch. Okay. And like a virus, this spread. (laughs) (laughs) Rapidly. Okay. Just very quickly. Not that it was necessarily bad at the moment exponentially through the population it dispersed yes yes people saw those pillows and they thought wow i would like to have a pillow like that and a throw pillow was born (laughs) okay so throw pillows in and of themselves i don't have a lot of problems with when (laughs) like the couch is sitting on the showroom floor and you see you can see the the couch and it's got these beautiful you know these decorative throw pillows on it that make the couch look better right i can't stand them (laughs) i can't stand throw pillows though because as soon as you get the couch into your house and you put the throw pillows on what is the first thing that you do when 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 multiple people come to sit on the couch you throw the throw pillows off the couch (laughs) take the throw my in-law's house they have this big L-shaped leather couch or leather couch or whatever, and it's got these blue throw pillows. They 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 barely stand up on it because the leather is so slippery. And then when everyone comes over, guess where all the throw pillows are at the end of the day? They're on the floor. They're just all <laughs> over the floor, like scattered around. And I'm like, this is horrible. This is not good. This is not a good solution. And then over time, like you just, you get tired of looking at them and moving them back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. And then like, like a virus that spread to beds and I go to showrooms <laughs> and, and I see beds in stores and they are, co- they're covered in pillows. 
And it's not like and and pillows. You know, they used to be. I I, I assume that throw pillows used to be like really soft and cushy and wonderful. No, they're totally decorative now because they've gotten <laughs> they they use harsh materials. That's not so soft anymore. They're they're too small. They're too round. They're too they're too bulbous. And then they go on the beds and they cover your bed and throw pillows and guess what you have to do to sleep on the bed well you have to push all the throw pillows onto the floor and it's like what this what's the point of the throw pillows <laughs> wow <laughs> i i have so many thoughts right now based on what you just described <laughs> sorry do you have any other angst that you need to let out before uh, i i comment on this predicament i mean i've only had one good recent experience with throw pillows and that's that <laughs> That's the, like, I need one for my mouse pad because mm, okay. I don't I don't have a desk to sit at. And so the couch is the next comfiest place to sit to use my laptop. But I need a mouse and a mouse pad. And so, and I don't want to have it, like, if it's too low, it, it starts to hurt my wrist really quick. And so I have to lift it up high a little bit. So I put it on the throw pillow and that, and that works. The throw pillow works for that. But, right. But. It's in the way all the time. It's it, it takes up space on the couch. They they don't look great. Like I just help me, David. <laughs> we need to find because because I see the need for them. Like they are aesthetically pleasing, and they're they're not terrible. Mm. They do have their uses and the times that they come in handy. But I just I need them to not be all over the house and all over the floor and stuffed into the closet. I can't have them all over the place like this. I don't even know where to start with my thoughts, but I'm just going to try and list them in the order they came into me, came to me. Okay, okay. Um, first of all, you, you joked about putting pictures on your couch for a second. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Have you ever seen somebody that has the throw pillows that have like a family picture on them or something oh, like that? No, but I think I've seen where you can get them printed and that's right. terrible, bad, no good. If you ever go to one of those houses, it's super awkward because, like you said, the first thing you do when you sit on a couch is move the pillow. Right. It's like, like do, you, do you want me to, like, throw your family across the room? Do you want me to, like, sit on them? Like, what right, is your right. – like, I feel a little bit worse about using this pillow in any way because now there's a picture of your child's face on it. Right, and, like, right. I feel like I'm indirectly saying something by the way I treat this pillow. Right. Well, then, like, say you need to, like, lay down for a nap or something on someone's couch, and they have that pe- So you're, like, looking into the eyes of their whole family <laughs> as you try and sleep on the throw pillow. Like, that's no good. That's no good. I don't like that right. at all. It's like, why, why don't you just hang up that same picture right next to the couch, <laughs> and you can still see your family, you know? Right, right. <laughs> My next thought is you said you had nothing against throw pillows to start, or, like, nothing particular against them, but... I don't think I've heard anyone with as much angst as you have <laughs> against throw pillows. So I don't know if that statement's really true. I think there's a deeper part of you that hates them, even if we solve this problem, just from past there, experience. Well, I, I agree. I think I will always hate them, but I just, I just, I just, I can't, like, you go to, like, I seriously don't understand why there's, like, ten pillows on a bed that none of them I'm going to be using to sleep with. Like, none of them do I use to sleep with. And then, like, the couches, it drives me crazy. Right. 
You're right. Yeah, I think you're right. I don't, I don't, I don't think we could. But I need a, a solution that I can work with. Because just throwing the pillows all over the place, that that is not working for me. And I need a better <laughs> solution to make everyone else around me happy so that I can deal with throw pillows. And so that everyone else can have their throw pillows. Right. Here's the problem. Mm-hmm. You said you could see a purpose for their aesthetics, right? Yeah. My problem as a person that believes in pure practicality mm-hmm. in its purest form, <laughs> aesthetics yeah. mean absolutely nothing to me, so I don't really see a purpose for throw pills at all. So I'm not really the person you should be asking on this matter. Uh, uh, um, because I would say just burn them. Burn so them all to the ground. <laughs> Just take take them out back and grab the shotgun and just you got to put <laughs> them down. Practice. Yeah, throw them in the air and watch what happens when they blow up. They're usually bright colors, so they're easy to spot. And... <laughs> Let's save on buying, you know, clay pigeons or something. Yeah, like yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> I see that I have brought my 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 problem to the wrong person for fixing it. The right person for <laughs> complaining with about though. Well, that's good. <laughs> But but let's let's start with the assumption that there is a good portion of the population that actually cares about aesthetics, mm-hmm. right. and that we actually, for some reason or another, do not want to offend these people because they're probably our aunts, our grandmas, etc. Yeah. yeah, right. Yeah, <laughs> these, yeah, yeah. These but... systems, right, in place. Right, right. Yeah, I've always thought the same thing though. Like, what's the purpose of a pillow that you don't use? Right. You sit down, you you sh- you move it, or you literally throw it. Maybe that's why they call them throw, throw pillows. Throw pillows. <gasps> you literally throw it somewhere. <laughs> Genius. <laughs> but yeah, I I guess one thing I always liked that our family did, and this was this problem was not with throw pillows as much, but was like blankets. Mm-hmm. In my family, what would happen is I I had seven brothers and sisters, so I have a big family, and yeah. we'd all sit along our huge set of couches. We had a couple of couches in our mm-hmm. living room so that we could all watch a show together or whatever it was. And everyone would want their blanket because the downstairs was always freezing because mm-hmm. the way our AC worked, it just never would heat up. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and my parents actually modeled the, their house recently and found that the AC vent was even connected to the basement, which is why it was always what? so freezing. Yeah. It wasn't even old. <laughs> That's a long goodness. story, but I think you'd appreciate that. <laughs> Essentially, they just assumed the wall would act like a, a conduit to what? the vent, there was actually no like metal framing in there to actually help what? the air but, uh, go down. <laughs> and anywho, point being, we always had tons of blankets for all my siblings and everything. Mm-hmm. And we had a special spot like between our two couches because the way they angled, there's kind of mm-hmm. this like triangle chasm that formed. Where we mm-hmm. always threw the plank- blankets down in. So you could grab the blankets out of it or throw the blankets down in there when you're done. Right. But I think the same rule needs to apply with throw pillows. Like if you're going to provide throw pillows or if you're someone that wants throw pillows, I think you have to have a specific spot designated also to put them when people come and say, oh, just throw That's it good... over here or just put it right here. Right. Because right. otherwise the the assumption is, oh, just throw it wherever you want or yeah, put it on yeah. the floor or put it on the side, right. you know? Well, or they like, like sit down and put the pillow in their lap. Cause they didn't want to like move the pillow too much. Right. Like, I, I do that at people's houses. I'm like, ah, uh, this pillow's in the way, but so I'm just going to hold it, I guess. Like I'll just hold it here and become one with the couch. 
really quick. <laughs> right. <laughs> Just merge and morph into the couch itself. Right. So storage positions. I think I think that's like our most immediate practical solution is that people that want the aesthetics should also right. be forced against their will to provide a spe- specified <laughs> location to put them. What about No, I got a great idea. Okay. Okay. So all throw pillows have to have a little valve. Okay, like a little valve, maybe hidden behind a zipper or whatever. Okay. You know those you know those vacuum bags that you can pack stuff into? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it has the throw pillow has to be made out of one of those. Like not the outside obviously, but like the inside so that you can just like you just take your vacuum over and you just you have like a little vacuum built into the couch where you just kind of stick the valve. <laughs> oh, this is a great idea. And then you have like a little, you only have to have like a tiny little space underneath the couch to put, because couches don't have a lot mm. of space under them, but you could just slide them under the couch. That's a great idea. <laughs> Along those lines. What if we just designed like a three-dimensional cardboard cutout mm-hmm. that has like this <gasps> illusion of paint on it? So it looks like you have this nice throw pillow. But actually just flattens out and sticks underneath the couch so that it, it looks nice. But then when your guests come, it's something easy to put away. You know? Right, right. That would be great. Except for that the very first moment that a child like <laughs> ran towards the pillow, right. everyone would go, no! And then in slow motion, they would fall onto the pillow. And the pillow would just crumble because it's just cardboard. <laughs> What if it made it was made out of like metal? So instead of hurting the metal. pillow, it just hurts the child, <laughs> which is easier to deal with. <laughs> One of these things has to break. <laughs> There's too much energy here. One of them has to break. <laughs> it's a great idea. Great idea. What if? Here's an idea. What if it was like a, like a projection? You mm. know, like a hol- like a hologram, like. An anamorphic projection across the couch, so yes. that it looks like that. that so that there, it looks like there's throw pillows there, right? <laughs> but you wouldn't leave them on all the time because, like, as soon as someone sit, you you don't want to sit inside of a projected pillow. That doesn't sound like fun. Like that doesn't sound great. Right. Right. And so what you could do, you could just have like a light switch or something. So you just click the throw pillows on and off. Hmm. Interesting. Then. Oh, this is a great because then they'd be programmable. <laughs> you can upload like any 3D image of a pillow <laughs> into the into the software and project those pillows onto your couch. So it never gets mm. old. You can have color changing pillows, you can have you can have jellyfish pillows, you can have anything you want. Could you could you build like an LED screen into the pillow somehow? <laughs> into the pillow. Like a, a morphable <laughs> LED in, or into the couch, I should say. And then you could Set up the anamorphic projection based on the angle, and it would always know exactly what you want. Yes, that's a great <laughs> idea. <laughs> Here's one problem, though. One problem. Okay. Okay. There, there are some ways around this, but anamorphic projections are dependent on angle, the way you're looking at the couch. Oh, really? Yeah, from the surface, right? If you want to make an object mm-hmm. look like it's 3D, you have to have a very specific angle that you're looking at it from. Oh. But, I mean, that may not be a problem if everyone enters your living room the same way. Right. But you can get away with it if you use what's called a miroscope projection. Ooh, okay. And so, actually, all you would need is, like, a a hole, a small hole, and then underneath the okay. couch itself would be this this elaborate set of mirrors that you use. It's actually not okay. too elaborate. It's basically two conic <laughs> mirrors. Okay. Anyways, 
Okay. Basically, you could just put the pillow in the mirroscope under your couch and then <gasps> and put then... a hole in your couch that kind of shows up at the top oh. and then <laughs> it looks Wait, like, like the... a hole in the couch. <laughs> Wait, hold on, hold on. Listen, listen. <laughs> Let me get through. Then it would look sorry. nice and the, the throw pillow or whatever you want to put in the mirroscope pops uh. out the top. And then you could just okay. have like some plug that you put into the hole in the couch. <laughs> oh, like a... <laughs> Like a like a fabric like a like a like yeah. another throw pillow, but like a purposeful throw pillow. Right, a purposeful pillow that kind of fills in that gap for when people sit down, and then the throw pillow is still there. It's just in the mirroscope projection that wait, you have but... underneath <laughs> your couch. But wait, would, wouldn't it look like it's in like a tunnel though? Like you pull out the and you just have this like like big black spot with like a throw pillow inside of it. Like, um, actually, the tunnel would appear above the throw pillow, but as long as it's not lighted, you wouldn't be able to see it. So you'd oh. have to have some lights on the throw pillow, and then you should be able to get oh, this man. overall oh, projection of a throw pillow above the couch. Easy, you'd have to easy. calibrate it, but yeah, yeah, it's yeah, possible. Yeah, yeah. It's possible. Calibration, we'll do that. You got to calibrate everything. Goodness. Um, <laughs> yes, this sounds like the best idea and also possible using today's technology. Right. I have no problems with this. This would be great. And then you just you just have a little plug and you just plug up the hole, you know, boop, boop. Right. Like, oh, no more throw pillows. Now you don't have to. Wait, so what would it be like if you sat where the throw pillow was? Um. Would you be able to see <laughs> a throw pillow in your body? Well, as soon as you cover up the hole... You wouldn't be able to see it anymore, oh, right? Okay, okay. Um, but yeah, I guess you'd have to build the mirroscope off a material that holds its shape under compression, <laughs> because someone would probably be sitting on the top of it. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, it'd probably be down there a little bit, but you'd want to be a nice, strong material to also hold the weight of the person. Oh jeez, I don't know, man. <laughs> You have to keep something in mind. For the people that actually care about aesthetics, practicality isn't an issue. So that's true. this might still actually turn into something that people want to do, even if it's that's... completely impractical. <laughs> we could come up with the most impractical solution. Because guess what? We already have the most impractical solution. <laughs> A bunch of throw pillows sitting around all over the house. Dang it. <laughs> <laughs> any more practical would be getting rid of the throw pillows and still having the visual image of the throw pillows genius <laughs> but yeah that's all i can think of right now but yeah some type of projection based technology mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. definitely the way to go okay well i'm 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 almost happy <laughs> that almost solved my problem <laughs> <laughs> that, that goes in the category with the cards of problem that will probably never ever be solved probably never ever still need more technology more more information more time more power and money and right. yeah, influence <laughs> you know we need all those things for that one to work out so yeah probably never i'm sorry for your dilemma i i know the struggle i think i think the 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 real practical solution for the moment is designate an area and if mm. you're a guest just say, where would you like me to put this? <laughs> oh, yes, yeah, yeah. That's what you do. You say, I am going to be sitting on this couch, and I cannot abide these horrible pillows. Where would you like me to? And then if they say, oh, just wherever, 
then what you do is you grab everyone's pillows for them. Like, oh, let me get that for you. And then you designate your own spot. Oh, that's good. I thought you were going to say, like, grab everyone's pillows and throw them at the feet of the homeowner or throw them in their face or something. That's what I thought. That, that's where I thought that was going. I was like, oh, yes, yes. Stick it to the man. And then you just tip over the couch and turn over the coffee table and then leave. Make all their pictures not straight on the wall anymore. And turn their rug upside down and tip the trash can over and walk out just like a cat would. I can't handle your aesthetics. <laughs> yeah, you think you could just put this anywhere? Well, let me just put this anywhere and this anywhere. We'll just, we'll just put the couch wherever. Yeah, that's a great idea. Just put the pictures wherever. Um. I'm just going to start giving people a warning like when they have you visiting. Like, yeah. hey, do you have any throw pillows? <laughs> yeah. You're going to want to put this away before Aaron comes. Otherwise, he's just going to wreck your house. <laughs> you, have to, you give him a little card that has the little dialogue of what he's supposed to say. Because if he doesn't say those exact words, the Aaron will become enraged and <laughs> destroy the property and leave. <laughs> right. <laughs> Easy peasy. <laughs> But this also could lead to our full solution, too, in the, okay. in the much more negative way. Okay, okay. If everyone went into rage when throw pillows aren't properly accounted for, mm. I think people would start accounting for them a lot more. <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> They'd have a solution for their own throw pillows or start getting rid of them. Right. Yeah, Maybe. yeah. They, they, they would... <laughs> Maybe we could just start a rebellion of some sort or yes. a revolution that anytime anyone yes. sees throw pillows at someone's house, they just throw a rage... And cause a havoc, and then people just, <laughs> out of fear, no longer have throw pillows. <laughs> Not the best solution, but it no, would be no. effective. Effect- yes, yes. The best, uh, I, I don't need the best. I need one that will work. And this sounds like it might work. <laughs> so you and I had a experience the other week. Your wife attended my wife's baby shower, mm-hmm. and... We both weren't at the baby shower, right? So we got to hang out, just the two of us, which was pretty fun. It was magical, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Which is a rare occurrence, even with this podcast. Indeed. Hanging out in person is not as common. Yeah, yeah. The podcast is the most contact that we have ever since since we moved moved apart from each other. It's true. (laughs) Um, But anyways, I, I presented you with a a challenge not really a challenge but more of a quest if you will mm, yes yes and that quest was to try an impossible burger and is my understanding that up to that point you had not tried one correct as correct. i had not either so i'm just gonna go ahead and play the audio for the listeners because we recorded that experience of us trying an impossible burger for the first time mm-hmm. so yes, here's yes. Here's that audio. Let's get it on. Let's get it on. So me and Aaron are here trying our first ever impossible burger. Fake fake burger. See if it how it actually tastes. It's a fake yeah, it's a fake burger. (laughs) Better name for it. That's pretty good. I mean I mean obviously not the best burger I've ever had, ever. Right. But if you didn't tell me otherwise, 
I don't know if I could tell you that it was fake. Yeah, no. You can tell something's a little different. Something's a little off, yeah. But, but not enough, like, like, because I ordered burgers that are like <laughs> piled with stuff and sauce, you know, because like right. food is merely a delivery device for my sauce. <laughs> and so like, if this had more stuff on it, like make it make it a make it a Western bacon cheeseburger. And it's like, right. Like holy moly! Like, if like, I was blindly consuming food in my rage to get as much into my mouth as possible, <laughs> I don't think I would even notice. Yes. There, yes. there is something a little different, but right, right. not enough to take away from it tasting really good. Yep. I give it a solid, a solid thumbs up. Agreed. Agreed. <laughs> so, so based on that recording, it was pretty clear to me that we both enjoyed it, mm-hmm. and that. I'd, I'd be willing to have one again. Oh, yeah, yeah. And so I guess what is your overall thoughts on this whole Beyond Meat Impossible Burger business well, that's been going on? Right, right. Well, I'm, I'm – so overall thoughts is I'm very glad that this is uh, becoming a thing. Like I approve greatly of minimizing and reducing the amount of meat people eat. I don't want it to go away i'm not like crazy not that people are crazy (laughs) but things like a hamburger like the meat matters so little to me that it's like we really should try and minimize the amount of meat used in a burger (laughs) and so so trying an impossible burger it was the the thing that comes to mind is that it was unremarkable i just Hmm. i haven't thought about it a lot since because it it tastes like a hamburger you know so it's interesting that you say that that the meat on a burger doesn't matter to you as much as the other stuff on a burger. Because mm-hmm. I have kind of the opposite opinion. Like if what? you have bad meat on a burger, to me, like the meat's kind of the the main detail I'm going for, right? Really? Yeah, I'm not really big into condiments and onions what? and tomatoes and all that stuff you can throw on a burger that's extra. Mm-hmm. What I'm really focusing on is the juicy aspect of the burger itself the juiciness of the meat what? What? <laughs> but i'm sorry that it's not... is disappointing to you it's, it's not disappointing it's just surprising it's always surprising to hear other people's points of view that are different than yours but this is just it's just surprising because like it's that's all that the burger is. The, so the burger is the the delivery device. Like yes, it 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 can't be bad. Like it can't taste burned. Like it, you can't have burned meat. You can't have like bad meat. It can't taste rancid. You know that's that would make the burger bad. But then once once you achieve like mediocrity with the hamburger, <laughs> <laughs> then like I almost don't care. It just flat lines for you at that point once it's reached well, a certain quality. Well. It doesn't. It doesn't determine the burger after that. It's not like, oh, you know, the burger's not good because the meat's only mediocre. Like this is only a mediocre burger. It's like, whatever, however they made the burger, like it's going to be as good as, uh, I don't know. It's like it, it. It doesn't have such a weight <laughs> on it. You know, does that make sense? Like it doesn't. It doesn't weigh right. the scales so much after you reach mediocrity. After that, I can just be like, well, just pile it full of barbecue sauce and. And and fry sauce and onion rings and bacon and cheese and <laughs> and just grind, man. Just grind. This is food, man. Just grind. 
Yeah, that that is again all the other stuff. Just like, well, you're just disguising the meat as much as possible, but I just want to get to the meat, you know. Anyways, the, the fact that we're having this conversation is a good sign. Yeah. <laughs> um, I guess we should probably explain what Impossible Burger is in detail in case we totally went over people's heads mm. if they haven't heard this. Yes, yes. <laughs> this seems wise. Yeah, so sorry if you weren't following along that whole time. I just yeah, realized uh, that. Yeah. <laughs> um, the whole reason we're having this conversation is there's been this big movement recently. Um, two big companies have been leading it. One's called Impossible Meat and one's called Beyond Meat, I believe. Mm-hmm. Or something along so. those lines. Yeah. And their goal is to make a completely non-animal-based meat product. Mm-hmm. It doesn't use any meat from an animal. Especially, the big focus seems to be on hamburger. Mm-hmm. Right? Can you make hamburger or something that tastes like hamburger that doesn't actually come from a cow? Right, right. And the reason this is such a, a big deal, and the reason I've been interested in, up to this point... I saw a video by Mark Grover, which I'll put in the show notes, and mm-hmm. he, he really does a good job of explaining why this would be something that's really useful. It, it's really not just a, hey, here's a vegetarian or vegan alternative to meat. Mm-hmm. The goal is much more of let's get more meat eaters to eat alternative products. And the reason, the reason why they want to do this is if you look at the statistics, this is what really blew my mind is if you look at the amount of water and the amount of crops that are used to feed cows and chickens in the U.S., it's actually more than the amount of water for the crops and the amount of crops that are used to feed humans directly Mm -hmm. in the U.S. We use more land area to feed animals than we do to feed humans. Mm -hmm. And so as these alternatives develop, if we can lower our dependence on cows especially then we can use more of that space and more of that re- those resources for actually feeding humans directly yeah yeah which is very much something of concern later down the road um for sure yeah yeah def- definitely that's like the number one reason that i feel i don't know both like whatever towards it and also like it needs to it needs to be a bigger thing because right now I think they're a little bit pricier than just regular hamburgers, which is mm. kind we'll of... We'll get to that in a second. <laughs> yeah, 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 which is annoying. But I don't know. It got really serious for me just, just now because this is a, a, a major topic issue, you know, with with climate change and, and the global economy and uh, all these different global issues. The consumption of meat corresponds directly to that in in some ways. And... If we can reduce that in any way, that would be just that would just be just phenomenal. It's I mean it's 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 so good. And the one thing that really that really started getting me thinking about this was um, I watched again a YouTube video. We're not experts; we just watch YouTube videos. But I watched. <laughs> we that. talk about people that are experts. Yeah, on this podcast. that's <laughs> that's really what happens. <laughs> right, right. We discuss our opinions on other people's opinions that actually know things. So you know, is my opinion worth anything? Not really, but are totally biased opinions on other people's qualified opinions. Yeah, yeah, is what we talk about on this show. <laughs> right, right. I watched a, a Kurtzkazat video, which is just, they're mm. just educators, and they, they do really good jobs with their videos. They do a lot of, they put a lot of time into them, a lot of research. They look really good, and they have very factual data that they, they back up with. And 
I watched a video about dairy production and like, is dairy bad for you? And the answer was like, not really. Like it doesn't, it's not really that bad for you. People make it out to be kind of a bad thing for you to drink, but it's not as, as bad as other pe- as people are saying it is. Right. But the one thing that caught my mind from the video was that the thing, if anything was to keep you from drinking a lot of dairy, the thing that would keep me from drinking a lot of dairy was that a lot of our dairy comes from less than ideal conditions for the animals. Right. And therefore, like, we're increasing animal suffrage when we when we consume more animal products because they're often taken from factory farms. And that's not good. Like that's not a good place. It's, it's important, but it it's, it's just, they do suffer, you know, because of our consumption and that's not right. a good thing. That's a bad thing. <laughs> I do have to clarify something you said. Hmm. Um, to be clear, we are increasing their suffering, not their suffrage. We're not increasing right. their voting rights. <laughs> right. <laughs> Right, right, right. Sorry, I uh, might have misspoke. It's the suffering. They they feel bad. They're getting hurt. They're not living good lives. And 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 you know there there are farms that work towards work towards combating that, but often uh, money wins. That's the yeah, key. yeah. It's cheaper and yeah, yeah. So so I'm really happy for the Impossible Burger movement, and I want it to be a little bit faster than it is it's kind of slow right now and i think it should just be especially since i don't really care about how high quality the burger because it's like the impossible burger it was a mediocre burger you know it wasn't amazing you know it wasn't like oh my gosh this is this is the the best fake meat i've ever had well it actually was but that's beside the point (laughs) (laughs) but that wasn't your thought like oh this is amazing fake meat right so so now i'm curious because you care a lot more about the meat what did you think about the burger so this this comes to an interesting point. Like you were saying, I don't I don't foresee any time soon that we'll remove our complete reliance on cows and meat, etc. Mm-hmm. You're going to have meat for a long time. It's going to be many many years before you can have a completely viable alternative. Right. And if I'm going out to get a burger again, you know, I'm probably not buying an Impossible Burger. Right. Because it's not quite as good. And it's much more expensive, like we've talked about. Mm-hmm. But if you're talking things, because you can buy Impossible Meats and Beyond Meat products at the grocery store. They're still mm-hmm. expensive. But, you know, but if you're making like tacos or putting your meat in meat pie or whatever it might be, yeah, you know, yeah. the different meals people make. A casserole. I don't think I'd really care at that point for the meat mm-hmm. if it's just in some of the home stuff we make. I think they're at the point that the quality is good enough that it's really part of the conversation. Mm-hmm. Like I talked to my dad about it and he's like, Oh, it's like the soy meat that they would sell or have it like the schools, you know, mm-hmm. like yeah. the really crappy school hamburgers that weren't actually meat. <laughs> and I was like, I was trying to like tell him like, no, like this is different. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> there's actually a whole lot of research that went into this that they use all sorts of hemoglobin sources from plants and things mm-hmm. to try and get the juiciness and the texture to match. And so it's not just like the simple soy alternatives that we've had forever yeah, that yeah. are really poor quality, right. but he couldn't quite understand that. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> or I should say he wouldn't listen to that. Mm-hmm. Point being is like, I think it's finally at the level of quality that it would be something I'd be willing to put into most of the meals I make at home. Yeah. But the one problem is, the phrase they keep using is a no compromise solution. 
mm-hmm. right? It has the same taste and it has the same texture. And so meat eaters don't have to compromise. But there's still one thing you have to compromise on, hmm. and that's price. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> as soon as the price gets down, that it's the same or even just like a tiny bit more expensive, but yeah, close yeah. to the same as actual meat, I think I'll start buying it. Yeah? I really do. I really would just – I'd be willing to say, you know what, like – Let's just start putting in our, our home-cooked meals. Why not? Right, right. Well, in my uneducated opinion is that the price is, is directly related to the economics of the situation in that lots of people make meat from cows. Like, there's lots of meat producers, and that drives price down. Also, people are more willing to buy just regular meat products because people are used to it, you know? It's a lot easier right. to accept. Oh, this is just this is just meat. It's it's just what I use all the time in my in my food. And so there's that. Right. And then and so the demand is a little bit lower, as well as the technology is new and they're not mass producing. Because because once you start really mm. getting production going, like really getting production going, that's when that's when big savings comes in. That's when you can really save on on producing the product. It's like factory farms. You know, it's a lot cheaper to to stuff tons of animals into small spaces right and just shovel food into them like that's that's cheaper than than what they're doing to make the beyond meat and and so it's like instead of you know you understand what i'm saying right (laughs) it's the hard part of we have to have more people wanting this to happen Mm -hmm. but while the prices are higher less people are going to be willing to do it and so right we have you have to have growth continue to occur even though it's not in the balance right now. Right, right, and so I guess my thoughts culminate in that if this is like not directed at you personally, but like if people want to see this product be a thing, we should invest more money into it because that'll that'll show that right. our use of our money shows the economy what we want, and if we want Beyond Meat and Impossible Meat, then then the economy will give it to us. <laughs> and so you, it's yeah, it's almost like we have to bite the bullet on the new technology because it's expensive, right? If you if you really want to see a big change, and this is actually changing my mind a little bit on on how I'm going to shop for meat, <laughs> I think it's gonna I think it's gonna push me to buy some more of that stuff. Right. My my initial thought was like, even just like if you buy three pounds of hamburger a week, you know, buy mm-hmm. one pound of this and mm-hmm. two mm-hmm. pounds of regular hamburger, something like that. Yeah, yeah, that would make a massive. A massive impact, I think, if a third of all meat bought became beyond meat. Like they would, they would be, they would be rushing to increase capacity to to sell <laughs> the stuff. You know, they would be, it would be flying off the shelves, and they'd be, they'd be, they'd have to buy more facilities and hire more people, and it'd be good. Right. But the other side of me is also thinking of my game theory classes mm-hmm. <laughs> and going. This is this is just like the prisoner's dilemma. <laughs> if, if, it's like if I if I bite the bullet and start buying this meat, but no one else is buying the bullet, yeah. then I'm just spending extra money for no reason. <laughs> right, right. That's it's like well, I don't want to bite the bullet unless you bite the bullet. So you bite it first, and then I'll bite the bullet. Yeah, yeah. And that's that's the difficulty with the problem. That is the that is the interesting. That's I think that's the thing that causes a lot of people to not do little things that might be helpful later on, rather than just doing whatever they wanted to. You know, that's like, that's like I think that's the thing that stops us from, <laughs> from, sometimes doing the things that we think are more important because it's like, 
well, if I do it, no one else will do it. So I'll just, I'll just, I'll be getting the worst side of this deal. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it's sad, but that's how the math shows. Like that's how things work. So yeah. 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 <laughs> well, and doubly, I appreciate, sorry, this is like kind of off topic, but I really appreciate that it's uh, like an alternative, like, like it's a good alternative at f- like fast food restaurants for people who don't want to eat right. meat, like people who are trying to eat vegetarian or need to eat vegetarian or vegan. Like, right. There's a, there's an option. You can go out with your friends and get yourself some grinds, you know, it's good times. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that's more of what those burgers are intended for right now. And mm-hmm. again, like I said, like, when I go out to eat, I'm still going to treat myself to a nice, juicy burger because that's what I want. Right, exactly. You know? But if it gets to the point that everyday types of things mm-hmm. can be using this alternative, you know, that would be huge. Mm-hmm. That would be absolutely huge for you know, usage of land. But just it would just lead to a movement that leads to less you know, animal suffering because we don't need as much manufacturing and slaughterhouses, essentially, and all these mm-hmm. yeah. plants and stuff like that. Anyways... So I'm excited for it, but I do see a lot of roadblocks that we'll have to overcome to beat yep. it out. Yep. And I'm I'm hopeful that that it'll just we'll just get over those, you know. There there's enough there's enough there's enough happening that I think I think we'll we'll be in good shape, especially with the space age upon us. It's easier to grow plants than take care of animals in space. What? <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going to I'm going to categorize this as problem Problem well solved soon. Soon, yeah, yeah. Problem solved coming soon. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I like it. I like it. That's a good. Oh, I like that 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 pile. That new pile that we just created <laughs> has one card in it for now. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. That's that's an interesting one to think about. Problems well solved eventually soon. Eventually, yes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> or is that a different pile? Like, eh, we'll get there some point, uh, so, someday. <laughs> I don't know. I think that might be a different pile because then there's like there's like recent problems well solved, and then there's like, but but really, since we solve so many problems on this podcast, really the only thing that we need to determine for each of the piles is. Like the timeline, like when is it gonna get solved? Soon, long time, <laughs> really, nearly never, probably never. Like these are these are all different piles. Give <laughs> up all like, hope. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> all ye who enter, <laughs> abandon hope. Yes, I like it. Well, as you know, my friend, um, I was gone last week at a, another conference mm-hmm. this goes way back to episode two of save the world Whoa. where we discussed that computer vision conference i went to two summers ago Oof, was it that long ago Oof. yeah that's <laughs> <laughs> crazy crazy to think about um and it was weird to see people at this conference from that conference and go <laughs> oh yeah i remember you i've, I've met you before <laughs> yeah um but before we get into that i have a Totally random side note that I have to ask you about. That I'm just curious. Okay, okay. Are you are you familiar with the game Cornhole? Cornhole. The one. Where you have the two like wooden plane planks, kind of you know, ten feet away from each other, and you toss the bean bags trying to get into the little hole. Oh. On each side. Is it just a bean bag toss? Uh, it's it's like a bean bag toss, but there's like it's kind of a slightly angled ramp. 
Uh-huh. And if you get in the hole, it's three points. And if you get on the board, it's one point. And you go back and forth tossing the beanbags. It's like horseshoes, but with beanbags. It's like, yeah, it's like a, it's like a grown-up version of the beanbag game. Cor- yeah. <laughs> okay. Is it because the, the bags are full of corn instead of beans? I have no idea. Okay. <laughs> the reason I bring this up is I was watching ESPN when I was at the conference. What? Okay. And they had the Cornhole Championships. What? Final round on ESPN. Oh, man. Was it intense? Was it good? Was it intense? The reason I bring this up is, yes, it was very interesting, actually, to watch this game. Because in my mind, right, obviously the goal of the game is to get the bag into the hole. Right, right. right. But the problem is, is that that level... They're so good that if they did that, it would just be constant ties because they just, oh, I'll throw into the hole and then you throw into the hole, you know. Right, yeah. Easy peasy. You, you get, yeah, you just get too good. Everyone gets the full amount of points to be a tie every time. Yeah. And so <laughs> yeah. what was actually yeah. really interesting is that they had to strategize. And so they wouldn't get their beanbags into the hole. They'd like intentionally block the hole with one of their beanbags. What? And they were like trying to set up like walls around the hole with their own beanbags and then on their last toss they would try and hit in their beanbags that are making this wall uh-huh. and get those as many of theirs as they can in while still blocking the other person's set of beanbags what weird. <laughs> what weird yeah and it was crazy too because like some of these throws i i saw one where the guy his opponent had set up an entire wall of beanbags right uh-huh and the guy throws it, and he throws it at an angle so that his beanbag rolls over the top of the the wall uh-huh. and gets in the hole. What? No, like like a little like climbing robot. Like what? <laughs> yeah, it was crazy to see how skilled they were wow. at this game, and yeah, all sorts of things. I saw one where he like spun it and went past the hole and then rolled back in. Mm-hmm. Did a, a backspin like on a his backspin, beanbag, right? And hit. Yeah. Some some of these throws were just like amazing to watch. Wow. Anyways, I I was just curious if you'd seen this. No, and if you haven't, no, you should look up some highlights on YouTube or something. That's great. I was wondering what cornhole championships was. I was like, oh yes, this 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 couldn't be interesting if nothing else. <laughs> and indeed, it is. <laughs> but it does bring up a, another point that I think is fun to talk about. Mm-hmm. And I, I try to bring this up with people a lot when they say, oh, I don't like sports, or I don't like chess, or I don't like yeah. whatever it may be, right? I think it's fun to watch anyone, no matter what it is, at the top of their craft. Okay, yeah. I think if you, I think if you don't enjoy that, I think it means you don't understand the craft well enough. Huh. And so that's why I always tell people about sports. Some people say, oh, I don't like basketball. I don't like football. It's like, well, do you know the rules, first of all? Right, Right. Right, yeah. And then I say, well, even if you know the rules, there's still subtleties. Like with basketball, like do you understand what a pick and roll is? Do you understand when someone has opened up space and when someone's able to do an ankle breaker? Like there's many aspects that are often very subtle to someone unless you've seen and understand the top level of that craft. Uh Uh-huh. If you have enough of the detail to know the top level of that craft, I think it's enjoyable to watch it, no matter what the craft is, hmm. whether it's cornhole or sports yeah, or yeah. 
just like woodworking too. Like I imagine you've seen some pretty amazing stuff with cabinets. Yeah, yeah, for sure. If you if you really see the top level of someone doing their craft, I think it's always fun to watch no matter what. Hmm. That's interesting. The first thing that jumped to my mind was I watched some videos of a, a CNC. It's like the letter CNC. It's a it's a computerized system for carving things in real life. It's you you, mm. you put you put designs into a computer and you say I want this on this piece of wood. We actually I use one at work to cut out parts for cabinet pe- cabinet pieces and they can make just about they can do anything. But I was really mm. curious about about lathes and how how like do they have CNC lathes? And it turns out they do and they were incredible to watch. I watched some of the, mm. some incredible videos of that. And I, I think I have the same feeling, but I have it a lot more tied to the thing and less to the people mm. like, like to see machines at their best, like the, the best, like the Boston dynamics machines <laughs> and the rockets and the CNC's, you know, I love to see the most amazing machinery. And it's kind of that same thing of, if you don't appreciate this, like you don't understand what it's doing. You don't understand how, how complicated what it's really doing is. Right. Wow. Is this the first time where you're appreciating the robot side of things more than <laughs> I am? <laughs> Quite possibly. <laughs> wow. I need to like write this down in my journal or something. This, this is weird. Maybe, maybe just because I'm so familiar with robots, like the magic has gone away. And <laughs> Right, right. Well, and it's like, I don't know. It's, it's like SpaceX landing their 50th rocket. Like I watched the video and like they, they did it 50 times, 49 times already. Right. But I still got so excited to see the 50th one land. Like I understand what's going on, but still <laughs> to see it do the thing. I'm just like, this is amazing. So that's, that's right. weird. That's huh, cool. Hmm, interesting. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I, I think if, again, going the opposite way, like just the subtle things of life, like pottery and, woodworking mm-hmm. and crocheting whatever yeah. it is i'm always super impressed with people like there's this lady that went to my wife's baby shower and she gave us a like fully built from scratch baby doll for our daughter to play with yeah yeah and it's it's amazing it's got all the yarn <laughs> to look like hair and uh-huh. the clothes is like sewn in and i just look at it and go i can never build that you know i could never make that thing and so just looking at just looking at that result is really cool to me and even though i don't like knitting or yarn or anything you really make with yarn or any of that side of things i just look at that and go wow like that's cool to see that's cool that someone made this that's so cool i i yeah i couldn't agree more like it's like this is why it's like so interesting to me when we get to talking about computer stuff because you're like on some of the cutting edge of some some of the computer things and it's like <laughs> this is amazing like you people are the best in this in this profession you guys are doing the most amazing work and the most innovative work out of anyone and I agree it's so interesting to watch and to see I have a much harder time with sports though like you're saying you're talking about how sports like you feel the same way and it's like yeah, I can agree with that, but and in some ways, like some sports just don't interest me at all. I don't know. Well, and again, it's not like take baseball for example. Okay, I don't like baseball. <laughs> I really don't. It's slow. Right. It's boring. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But I understand the rules, mm-hmm. and I understand some of the intricacies. Like I feel like I'm close enough to a high level to understand 
you know, what makes some of the things exciting in baseball that people really appreciate about it. Right. Okay. And that doesn't mean I'll watch baseball every time a game's on. Okay. Yeah. Right. I don't enjoy baseball. I'm not going to watch it. <laughs> but even with that said, if the World Series is on, I have to watch it. Okay. Because I, I just appreciate, I go, man, here are the two teams at the highest level of their game playing right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I just go, man, they, they have so much ability at this point, and the stakes are so high. That's another thing that makes it fun, is if the stakes are high, mm-hmm. yeah. you, can, you know they're the masters of their craft, and you're, you're just watching and going, what's going to happen? Like, what does this lead to? Mm-hmm. Then I still enjoy it. Like, I, I love watching any championship game of a sport I don't understand, even if it's cornhole, for yeah, example. Yeah. <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> or not that I don't understand, that I just don't regularly watch. <laughs> right, right. Right? Like, just like the cornhole example, I wouldn't go watch cornhole games all day. Mm-hmm. But just just seeing someone at the top of the tier, the best they can be, especially if it's competitive or it results in some piece of work, or some accomplishment, that just always fascinates me. I always enjoy that. Yeah, yeah. That has to be what makes like the Olympics interesting to watch. Like it'd be boring. Yeah, that's if it was a, a, that's a good example. Like or a bunch of like medium good. You know, they're they're good, but they're not amazing. You know, they, these people are, have been selected out of from countries as the best in of the best. You know, and they're all going to compete with each other for right for to be the best in the world and that's just it's so cool well i i just think even like going to the olympics you want to go through all the qualifiers mm-hmm. like even the olympics once you get there there's still like qualifier rounds and semi-finals etc right and some of those i won't ever watch no no yeah but most of the sports if it's like this is the final round you know you have the best in the world at that point yeah yeah and it's like that's just fun to watch, no matter what it is. It uh-huh. can be something silly, but, you know, even things I don't usually consider a sport, like curling. That's a different story. What? Right? Wait. <laughs> that's the Winter Olympics. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Uh-oh. Do you like curling? Did I, did I step I, on some toes? I, 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 I like it. It's, it's the only <laughs> sport that I look at that I think, man... That's a game I could actually play. Like that's a game <laughs> that I I don't have to be the most physically fit person in the whole world to play that game. Like anyone can play that game. That's a, that's a game. That's anyone's game. You know. It's, I think that's exactly why I don't want it in the Olympics. <laughs> <laughs> but that's besides the point. Oh, that's fair. That's fair. No, that's fair. That's that's a good point. Anywho, I just thought that was interesting and. Mm-hmm. I think I think that is a fun part of just life in general. I don't know if you call this a problem well solved, but just being able to participate in events where you get to see people at their best, mm-hmm. the best in the world or the best at something specifically, you know, it's always entertaining. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I agree. I agree. <laughs> I didn't know how I was going to tie that into the conference itself, but you, <laughs> you mentioned speaking of people at the top of their tier. Right, yeah, yeah. Top of their craft. Um, yeah, I was at this this computer vision conference. So this one was the the winter. Oh, I always forget the abbreviation, but the winter conference on the applications of computer vision. But everyone just calls it WACV. WACV. Okay, yeah, yeah. I was like, what does that what does that turn into? What does that turn into? <laughs> how do I? Yeah, how do they, I? They drop a C in there, but it's okay. Everyone just calls it WACV. That's fine. Yeah. yeah. Um, 
I was at this conference. It was really fun. And this was really cool because it was the first time I was presenting a paper for my degree Ooh, in yeah. computer science. Wait, so the, oh, exciting. Yeah. <laughs> so it was really cool. I got to present my research. Um, it was the same stuff my thesis work was on. Did you have like an auditorium full of people? Like were all eyes on you? So it wasn't an auditorium. It was more, I, I don't know. It's hard to describe because mm-hmm. – if you've ever been to like a convention center for Comic Con or something like that, right? Mm-hmm. There's always those big open areas for people to gather, mm-hmm. but those those conference centers always have like side rooms where they do meetings and they'll do presentations, right? Right. For conferences like this, and so it wasn't really an auditorium. It really was more just rows of chairs and tables, and it was maybe 300 people there whoa so were you like were you intimidated or was it just like it's just another day in the office no i mean again i'm a teacher so standing in front of people is not a big deal the the hard thing for me was because there's been so many papers accepted to these conferences the presentation time is three minutes what oh so you only had three minutes what yeah (laughs) yeah three minutes to present and so the crazy thing is you don't even get slides what they make you do is they make you record a video of you going through the slides. Ooh. So you can't you can't even slow down. Like it is three minutes exactly. Right. You only yeah, yeah. You, they've got it down. Your, your video has to be less than three minutes and you have that time. <laughs> and you have to just remember, right? You just have to recite your script over and over uh-huh. so you can match the slides that you pressed when you first recorded it. <laughs> right. Yeah. To show what you were doing for your research. So that okay. was really intimidating. Yeah. Or not, not not intimidating, more just like anxiety building because it's like, mm-hmm. ah, it's so hard to match that exactly. And right. I had animations and transitions showing exactly what it was doing. And it's hard to talk at the exact speed that the animations are going that you want to show your point. Right, right. Did you have to, did you have to look at the audience or could you watch the video and talk at the same time? So you could have your script. They had a little screen oh, okay. of your video so you could see right in front of you what, where it was at. Okay, yeah. And then there was the audience. So I was kind of just like going back and forth and back and forth. Oh, man. Them. Okay, yeah. But the nice thing was um, when I was there, I was on the very first session. Mm-hmm. So after that, it wasn't like I did my part and I was done. And I could spend the rest of the time enjoying other people's work, mm-hmm. which was really nice. So it wasn't yeah. quite like, <laughs> oh, I got to wait for – I got to wait for my presentation coming up or right. focus on that. So it was nice to just kind of have it out of the way. Yeah, yeah, just just slam jam, get it out, get it done. Did did anyone did did anyone like talk to you about it afterwards or was it just like Yeah. Really? Yeah, so so what happens is nowadays what the standard seems to be is once you've done your presentation, a lot of conferences will do a poster session right after. Oh, yeah, yeah. And everyone that presented also does a poster so that people that have questions can come talk to you directly. Come, right. Like a science fair, but more. But everyone in there has a PhD. <laughs> <laughs> or is trying to get one. <laughs> the grown-up version of a science fair. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. That's amazing. But, yeah, it was really good. It was fun to talk to people. Had probably 15 people come talk to me after. Three of them are really interested and want to kind of talk about stuff later and Ooh. potentially do further work. So that's really good. Awesome. That's so cool. But going along with that, I still feel like conferences have a, a major problem that I originally brought up right. with uh, CVPR back in the day, way back on episode two. Mm-hmm. And they're still really inefficient. Yeah. 
when it comes to getting information. And it's still really hard to network with people in this format. Right, right. Because there's so many people there. And and it was nice. It's, to be fair, it was easier this time because I was presenting my own work. But really, the only people I met that like I really got to know were the ones that came t- to talk to me about my poster. Okay, yeah. You know, I guess you could argue I should have done a little bit better about going to other people's posters, which I did. But well, it was just hard because I didn't feel like I was – their work didn't really apply to mine as much as I felt like I – felt, I felt like our work was too disparate that I didn't really get to meet people that would be beneficial to keep talking to later down the road. Right, right. Unless they came directly to me and say, we, we want to keep working on this project and we think we have tie-ins to your project, et cetera. Right, yeah. Well, and I would, ne- I would, I would never – I, I would be a hypocrite if I was like, oh, you should have just talked to more people. Because it's like, I, <laughs> right. I would, I gain nothing out of conferences generally because I don't talk to anyone. Like we go to a, right. a comic convention and I'm just like, I'll just stand here, you know, let's go, let's go uh, look at the shops <laughs> and uh, let's not talk to anyone. Don't talk to anyone. Nobody, nobody at all. Like, <laughs> right. You you give people a thumbs up when you see a cool a cool costume like that's it that's it that's all you do you don't talk to people like that's too much too much social pressure <laughs> right well and this brings me to a point that it looks like you wanted to talk about as well and mm-hmm. maybe this would be a good time for you to elaborate on context but I I never know where to just start with conversations with someone that you've never met right it's a it's easier a little bit with research because you can focus on the research. Yeah, but you never really get to know them, so it's hard because you just associate a paper, not really a, a face or you know, right, right. This person did this. I just see, oh, this was something new that came out. Yeah, right. I don't, I don't really get to know the person that made it. Right, so I was yeah. Curious what you were, your thoughts were on this matter that uh, I saw you had in the notes. Uh, yeah, conversation start. I just, I get tired of. Uh, there, there, there are certain people. Okay, here's here's okay. So, so a convention, in my mind, is one of the easier places to start conversations, like to get uh, something going, just anything, because you're all there right. talking about the same thing. You know, you're all there talking about computer. Like you're all a bunch of you all a bunch of computer nerds. Like you can all talk about computers. <laughs> you know, if I if I. <laughs> If I went to a cabinet convention, if I went to if I went to Vegas to see the cabinetry convention that they have in Vegas, like the big woodworkers show, like yeah, I I would have things to talk about with all the people there because like I do cabinets, you know, I can talk cabinets. Except for one time, I tried to talk to somebody who did cabinets as well, and I'm like, it's it's like my my uncle in law, I think. Oh, so awkward. Oh, oh it was horrible because they didn't want to talk cabinets. And I'm like, oh, okay. And I obviously didn't know enough and we weren't on the same page and it's just horribly awkward. So that didn't go great. And I haven't talked to him since, really. So that was great. But it's all good. Anyway, I just, I, I get tired of, of being around people with nothing to talk about. Mm. I don't want to dominate the conversation. Because, as you know full well, if I get going on something, I can talk for a long time about stuff that I really <laughs> like. Like, anyone can right. do that. Like, that's really easy to talk about the things that you're really interested in. But the problem that I have is finding finding things that you're both interested in that you can talk about. Right. Like, asking what what questions could one ask to get to the bottom of what your likes and dislikes are without without having to be like, 
Do you like space travel? Do you like video games? Do you like cabinets? <laughs> Let me get you my list. Right, yeah. Do let's you fit into any of these categories? <laughs> we'll just do a straight comparison. Like, that would be great. Except for that it's boring, and then it doesn't feel naturally spawned. It feels like you're trying to make conversation. And I want it to be a little bit more like... My dream is questions that I can ask that'll that'll get people to talk about stuff that they don't talk about or that they're interested in or that I might be interested in. I don't know. That's the goal. That was that was a silver bullet question that will always and lead not, to a conversation. Right. And not even one. You know, I wouldn't mind having <laughs> three hundred. I just need any number of them. You know, I just I need somewhere to start with. It's like it's like right. sometimes my my in-laws family dinner gets really weird because it's like I don't have anything to talk about with these people and they don't have anything to talk about with me. None of us have similar interests. So what are we all doing here? You know, what are we going to talk about? Right. And I will. So, so this is how it segues. It's like, I, I, there has to be some way, there has to be some questions, some things that we can ask, whether, <laughs> whether at a convention, you know, cause, cause talking about like the problem that you bring up, it's like talking about work is great, but like, I want to know more about you as well as your work. Right. Like, I don't want to just talk about work. Well, this brings up an interesting point that I haven't thought about it directly until this moment. But um, I remember I used to always appreciate my dad. Mm-hmm. Sorry. I still do appreciate my dad. But... <laughs> I used to appreciate him back in the day. I know? used to appreciate him. No, I I should say I used to have a flawed view of my dad. Yeah. Because uh, he, he could talk to anybody, it mm-hmm. seemed like. He was one of those people that just could always – start a conversation with anyone and he still is that way yeah i can confirm i met your dad it, it, yeah. <laughs> yes <laughs> but i realized something interesting about my dad and he he's very good at finding these interests like you say mm-hmm. but it's mostly because his interests are statistically very highly interesting to most people okay. in the population. Yeah, there's, yeah, a high, yeah. there's a high percentage <laughs> of the population that likes what he likes. Right, right. Because if you think of my dad's interests, he, he loves sports. Easy. He loves yep. football and basketball. He he loves movies. Oh, yep. Okay, yep. He, he, he loves 80s rock and 70s rock. <laughs> so if he's ever talking to anyone that's similar in age yeah instantly that was like the only music you listened to back then yeah right what was on the radio was what everyone listened to it's not like it is today where everyone kind of has their own little pocket yeah a little pocket that they listen to i i there's still very popular songs nowadays yeah yeah but back then there was still some groups but overall everyone listened to the pretty much the same stuff on the radio Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. he he obviously loves his family and likes talking about kids and Mm-hmm. What people are doing. Mm-hmm. He's a teacher. Oh, so he loves man. talking about, you know, what are people doing with careers? What do they want to do in school? Yeah. And so it, it was interesting when he first met my wife's dad, my, my father-in-law, mm-hmm. because my, my father-in-law likes country music. He, he, he roots for the opposing team that my dad <laughs> likes in basketball and football. He, he's not a huge sports fan. Overall, mm-hmm. you know, he, he he doesn't watch movies as much. He more likes TV shows. Oh, man. And, like, they, they still got along fine. But watching my dad try and talk to my father-in-law was just interesting because 
Yeah. My dad would go after one after another of his common oh, interests that uh-huh. you know he can usually get people talking about. Yeah, yeah. And my my father in law just had, you know, <laughs> no interest in those particular oh, things. And I so can, it just uh-huh. really hurt the conversation. Uh-huh. So it was I mean it, it seemed a little bit awkward at that time, but again, there's not really any issues there. It's more just it was interesting to see that my dad was just using the things that he liked to try and make those connections. Yeah. But when those things didn't exist, he wasn't this, you know, magical crafter of connections that I thought he was. He's just using <laughs> right, yeah. highly likely possibilities of connections that have worked for him throughout the years. Right. Well, uh, uh, yeah, was well, not very awkward. You mean as awkward as it could ever be for <laughs> for two people <laughs> who don't have anything to talk about? It's horrible. I don't like that at all. But yeah, to your point, I think people that think there are these amazing conversationalists at times, I think it's more that they just happen to like more the things that most people like. They're often right. into pop culture. They're often into sports or politics or movie. Like, right. you know, there's these kind of s- s- fields that people t- try to connect with. And so when people are like, oh, it's easy to talk to people. I'm always like, is it though? Or is it just happen <laughs> yeah. to be easy for you? Because it's always worked right. out that way. Because, because you got lucky. <laughs> right. Like there's obviously there's introverts and there's extroverts. Yeah. But yeah. I've often wondered about that because I'm not like, I'm introverted in some cases, but like, if I need to make a conversation, I'm happy to talk to people. Yeah, yeah. But I, I realized this a while back when uh, this occurred. And just through the years, I've kind of realized that if I have certain things I go for when I try and make connections, mm-hmm. generally, if I'm making the same connections my dad is, I'm about as successful as him yeah. <laughs> when I'm trying to talk to people. Right, yeah. <laughs> so I guess the whole point of this is just – be like my dad and have the same interest my dad is has, and then then you'll be good. And then but. life is a lot smoother and a lot better. See, that's where it's like, as soon as you said all those words about your dad like liking certain things, I, my brain started running with it, and all of a sudden I thought, but I'm not going to change my interests. You know, interest I have I have my own interests. Like I'm not just going to be interested in everything so that I, I can talk to anyone. You know, that's not my job. My job is not to talk to everyone. Right. Okay, no, so your point about how you feel like in some situations you're very introverted and others you you can be extroverted. I think I really I'm I'm of the opinion. Okay, here's my here's my Aaron's opinion 101. Okay. Is that like because that's the same way I feel. Like I don't like talking to people. I don't enjoy talking to people. I enjoy working by myself in an empty shop. <laughs> For eight hours a day. Like, that is enjoyable to me. I enjoy not having right. anyone to talk to. Uh, but but just because you're introverted doesn't mean you don't have a part of your brain that you can spin up. It just takes a lot more work to spin that up and to get that going. Right. Because I can, I can be extroverted. I can talk to people. You know, I can I can talk to random people. I'll, I'll you know, but it's yeah it's you you have to you have to get into it though you have to you have to spin it up and it's not like it's easy easy it's just right it's just a thing so i I think you're totally right going back to my dad i would definitely say he likes talking to people more than i like talking to people Mm -hmm. so he also has developed that skill obviously much better than i have overall Mm -hmm. right right but we're both still teachers and we both still know how to talk to people right yeah yeah but I think our generation specifically suffers from this problem 
because there's so much more niches. There's so many more niches in the world you know than what? there were in my dad's time. That's a very this you have opened my eyes just now. That's a very good point. I hadn't thought of that. But that is exactly that's the thing that I appreciate, but also you have just shown a light on how this is might be causing more of the problem. Right. I just think to my students, for example, mm-hmm. because I always I send out these little surveys at the beginning of the year of, you know, tell me about yourself so I can get to know you better. Right. Type thing. Right. And I'm always interested. I, I have them feel like favorite movie or favorite character or favorite TV show or favorite book. Yeah. That type of thing. Yeah. And I never have any convergence on that question. <laughs> Right, I have TV shows that students list that I've never even heard of. <laughs> yeah. Now, to be fair, I'm not like a huge not... <laughs> movie guy t- or TV guy. I don't spend a lot of time yeah. on that. Yeah. But it's crazy to see, like, if you're into anime or if you're into um, reality TV or if you're into whatever it may be. Mm-hmm. Within that, there's already niches, and now there's there's those are niches that didn't exist, you know, 30 yeah. years ago, <laughs> right? Really, yeah. and. My my students never answer that question the same way, and hardly do I ever even know what they are talking about. <laughs> and so it's it's just really hard because their interest in a certain show is completely different than anything I've ever experienced, or even just thinking about YouTube. Mm-hmm. This this also always makes me feel old. I'll I'll reference a YouTube video from a couple of years ago uh-huh. that I'm positive was like universally watched yeah. by everyone. <laughs> like yeah. everyone knew this show or this video i watch and i'll mention no one's heard of it mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and it's like how is that possible like you were watching youtube two years ago when i was watching youtube two years ago and surely this was popping up on your your feed a hundred times like it was popping up on mine uh-huh. but there, it's just so disparate with what people experience based on what their interests are nowadays yeah and so it just it just makes it really hard to say, oh, did you watch this and this and this last night? Or did you see the game last night? Or did you see... Because it's very unlikely that they did. Because their <laughs> interests are so varied. There's so many different right. subgroups yeah, in the world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so finding those commonalities are harder. I, yeah, I agree. I don't know how this... This doesn't relate to helping solve the problem. But that's a, that's a very good, like... <laughs> I don't know. I appreciate this light that has been shed on this topic because I, I feel like I have been enlightened. My mind feels m- more able to deal with the difficulty of talking to people because <laughs> right. it's exactly – my wife has the same problem sometimes with me because she'll be like, wait, you didn't, never saw that YouTube video? Like you never saw it? It's like, no, right. like I didn't really hang out on the internet a ton, you know, or we – whoa, I need to slow down just a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> my brain and heart and breath are going faster than I can keep up with. But music is the same way. Right. I don't listen to anything that you'd hear on the radio. Like, I, I, there's nothing. Right. Because I have a very specific taste in music, and I only have one other one other of our mutual friends, you know, one out of ten, one out of fifteen, right. that I can actually ac- accurately share music interest with on a regular basis because they're the only person that listens to something similar to what I listen to. It is this like this really great and really weird thing about the information age and, and the, the age that we live in where there's, there's the ability for people to create content 
a lot faster and a lot easier. Uh, just like YouTube videos, you know, anyone can make a YouTube video. I could make a YouTube video right now, sitting here, right, filming. I don't know, like my hands playing with this little string, and like, <laughs> like there's 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 a niche for that. You know, there's people who watch videos about that thing or around right. that thing, and it's kind of it's a it's almost it's like segregating because now people can actually dive into their own interests rather than <laughs> I don't want to say exactly how i'm thinking it but basically like rather than being chained to <laughs> chained to what the what the most popular thing is you right. can do whatever you want you can learn about and do create and be whatever you want to be right well i think the the benefit and the, the con of this is mm -hmm. that you are, your groups aren't physically based anymore mm, yeah you know i love watching educational youtube videos Right. I love watching channels where they're constantly exploring some idea or trying to explain something in a way that I've never thought about before. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. And those those channels have, you know, millions of views. Mm -hmm. But I'm guessing most of the people I talk to in a day never watch any of the channels that right. I they, subscribe they to. They've never right? seen that video. Yeah. Yeah. And may, maybe if I went to the, the conference, right, and talked to a lot of those people, right, mm -hmm. they probably would. Right. Yeah. But. <laughs> My my grouping of the community that I interact with the most on the internet is not physically based anymore. It's interest based. Mm -hmm. But our day to day conversations with people are very much physical location based, right? You talk yeah. to people in your community, you talk to people at work, you talk to people that are close by, but your experience is so varied because you're grouped by interest, not by physical location. Yeah. Back in the day, if you went to the same high school, you saw all the same things, no matter what. Right? You yeah, all heard yeah. the same songs on the radio. You all right. saw the same news. You all saw the same sporting, the same events, movies, you know? the same sporting events, right? Yeah. But that's that's not true anymore. It's not the way things work out anymore. And I think to your point, it's really not a fault of ours. I think it's more it's conversation is getting harder with just a random interaction. Yeah, yeah, and it's harder to well, it's harder to find things that you can both talk about and be excited about because the number of things that i'm excited about you know happily corresponds pretty highly with the things that you're excited about but a random person from the church group that i'm a part of like it's 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 a lot harder for me to just like pull something out of the bag you know i tried <laughs> right. that i tried that one of the other weeks and like it was kind of weird because i was just like you guys interested in space <laughs> and they're like well, well what kind of thing about space i'm like everything anything like just, like <laughs> do you even keep up with any of the space news like do you want to talk about orbital mechanics <laughs> <laughs> we could talk about space video games we could talk about space companies we could talk about space discoveries i don't care but do you know anything right. about space you know and the answer is like not really it's like oh well great now what do we talk about because that's all i can think yeah. about uh, i will say this i one thing that I've found for just general conversation, mm -hmm. and this is, again, an artifact of me being a teacher, <laughs> yeah. I'm very good at talking to college age and below students. Okay. Because I'm very good at leading questions where I say simple questions like, what's your program? You know, like, mm -hmm. what, what are you going into? Right? Those, those are the ones that everyone knows pretty much to start a conversation with. Yeah. But I've, I've gotten very good at trying to find just kind of like you were doing right there of finding, well, if you're going into some program or you're interested in some subject, 
there's usually some very good reason you're interested in that. Yeah. That's connected to your passions, right? Yeah. I find that asking more and more questions like, oh, what got you interested in that? Have you always been interested in that? What do you want to do with that? Why, yeah. why do you want to do that? Usually asking those types of questions leads to some interesting conversation you can have. Yeah, yeah. And so fortunately, people having passion and interest hasn't changed over time. They mm -hmm. always have those. Yeah. Just finding that is harder. Right. But for students, I find exploring what they want to do is helpful for getting to that. And then that can lead to interesting conversations. Yeah. It's, it's harder with older people. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes I find like older people just want to talk about their families, which is, which is great. But like, <laughs> do, do you still have interest in life though? That like, right, like you enjoy, you know? Yeah. 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 The thing I find the most helpful is the older someone gets. And I don't, I don't mean this to be flippant or anything, but mm -hmm. talking about the past actually is a really good way to go. Mm. Like if you know mm -hmm. someone's age, especially if they're a similar age or same age as your parents or the same age as your grandparents, right? Yeah. If they're, if you're, they're your age, I find trying to talk about things that were common when we were kids yeah. is a good conversation starter. Like I had a friend, he was talking about wrestling. And I was like, oh, did you ever play that old wrestling game on the N64? Mm -hmm. And he's like, yeah, I love that game. You know, like, because <laughs> I play that game all the time, too. And so that was uh -huh. a fun one to talk about. But in the past, the the difference in experiences converges the further and further you go back, right? That's a good point. Before the internet age, you're going to have more similarities in the past than you are going to have now. If I'm talking to someone my age, I'll talk about old video games, old TV shows. If I'm talking to someone my parents' age... I'll talk about 80s rock because I know it from yeah, my dad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right, I'll talk yeah. about, you know, basketball players of that time or something mm -hmm. or movies from that time. It just goes on and on. So I find trying to connect to the past is helpful in that regard. I'm not the best at it. I'm going to say that right up front. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I've, I've found that that's more likely where we're going to find an experience that we converge on. And also just talking about their past will probably bring up what they were doing. Mm -hmm. which will probably bring up their interest more. Right, yeah, that, that, that correlates directly to interest. Hmm. But then it's hard if all they want to talk about is their, their nephew who's doing some amazing work somewhere, and it's like, that's great. I'm glad they traveled to Europe or whatever. Right, I want yeah. to talk about you. <laughs> I, want to talk, I want to know more about you, not your, your nephew. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, that's, uh, uh, okay, so two ideas, two things that come out of this that from what you've just said. The first one is that a thought on conversation is that I don't, I also don't want to be the one talking or them to tell me about stuff necessarily, you know, like, right. It's easy to get people to talk about themselves. Uh, at least I think if they want to talk about themselves, it's easy to, you know, it's easy to, easy to get them to do it. Cause it's really easy to talk about yourself and your own opinions, your own ideas. And it's really easy to let people just kind of go with that, but that's not a conversation. Like I want things, right. I want ways to converse with people. Cause that's, at least I hope that's what we do. Like, that's what it feels like me and you do is, is we're able to talk about a thing and we both have experiences on it. We're, we're, we're peers. So we're, we're on the same, we're on a similar playing field and we have similar interests. And so it works out really well to, to actually converse back and forth. And you bring up a good point that I agree that it's, it's easier to talk to kids, to people, to kids, to kids that are younger than me. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> old man, Aaron. Yeah, because you're so old. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
crawling towards the grave, essentially. <laughs> right, right, right. Well, because you have similar life experiences to people who are your age and younger. And so you, you've either experienced it already, or you are experiencing it, and therefore there's something to talk about, and there's something that you can both relate to that's something that's that's personal to you, but still can lead to other interests and other topics and allow you to talk about stuff. Whereas people that are older than than you as a person you don't know what their life is like like you've never been anywhere near that because they're just older you know they've just been around longer and they've had different life experiences right and so using the past as a connection to that because they used to be they used to be kids you know they they saw historical events right they have thoughts on things that happened in the past these are these are good ways to that sounds that doesn't surprise me that that's like a good way to to talk to them because it's something that you both understand. If there's anything that people can talk about easily, it would be in my mind, it would be like historical topics based on what I'm learning today. You know, <laughs> what I'm thinking about today is historical topics right. would be the easiest. Cause it's like, well, this is a thing that happened. What do you think about it? What did, what did you think happened? Like, like how did, if they were old enough, you know, how did you feel when that happened? And then you can have a conversation about it. Because it's it's kind of concrete and it's already happened. There's no guessing in the future. There's no current interest involved, or there you know there might be, but you know. Well, and, and to your point, you said if you're always asking them to talk about themselves, it can seem very one sided. Mm -hmm. But you you were mentioning having friends at church or family members, your in laws, etc., that you just don't know what to talk about with, right? Mm -hmm. And so the things I was talking about was much more. You know, getting to know someone for the first time. Yeah. Right. Or getting to know someone before you talk to them more often. Mm -hmm. But I find knowing interests is what helps with those conversations. Like us, right? We're very conversational. Mm -hmm. But that's because we know exactly what we're interested in. Yeah. <laughs> I know exactly what things you like to do. Yeah. I know your background. I know I know some of your goals even, you know. I Yeah. We, we know a lot about each other. Yeah. And because we know a lot about each other. And have had many conversations that have led to that. It's very easy for us to talk to each other because mm -hmm. I know exactly the types of things to ask you about if we want to have a conversation, and you know exactly the same things to ask me about <laughs> if we want to have a conversation. Right, right, right. And doubly, it makes it really easy because, like, we don't have any. I feel like we don't have any fear of stepping on each other. Like, we're just we, <laughs> right. We both, uh, to some degree, we think similarly about things. There's a huge amount of trust there. Yeah, too. yeah, exactly. Like, I'm not worried that that when you say a thing is stupid, I'm not. Th I don't. I'm not worried that you think I'm stupid. You know, I'm right. not worried that you don't want to hang out with me anymore. You know, it's just, it's just you think a thing is stupid. It's like, yeah, that's that could be a stupid thing. Or I actually really like that thing. You know, and and we can talk about what we like and what we don't like, which comes back to being confident in yourself. <laughs> ah, that's so important. You know. Right. Well, I, I just, I'm thinking with my students too. Mm -hmm. Like there's always going to be someone, conversation is a two person thing. Mm -hmm. So there's some people that if they're not wanting to be part of the conversation, there's not much you can do. And sadly that yeah. you just kind of have to accept that, especially for me as like a teacher, there's, there's some, there's some students I'm just never going to connect with because they don't want to connect with me. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. For sure. And I can't force that. Mm -hmm. And that's that's okay. I, I guess the point I want to make is you can't expect everyone you interact with to be on the same conversational level that you and I are on, right? 
Yeah. No, that would be that would be foolishness to expect that. <laughs> right. But I guess my overall point is the more the more knowledge you have, the easier the conversation becomes. The more knowledge you have of each other, the easier it is to make conversation. So knowledge is power in this case of Right. If I know the things you like, it's easier for me to start into a conversation with you by saying, Did you see this? or how was this that you went to or how ha- how is this going, etc. If I know that about you already. Yeah, yeah. Which comes to those tips I was talking about earlier. <laughs> not yeah. not that I'm by any means like David is the expert on conversations with people. Like a, a doctoral student in computer science is probably not the guy you should go to for conversation advice in the first place. Right. But I'm just saying I found this to be the case in my own experience. A, a, a super computer science nerd and a and a and a and a and a, and a, a social socially isolated shop worker i guess yes we we know about conversation don't we david we know how to have conversation don't we that's that's why we have to have conversations on a podcast mm. so that mm-hmm. we can actually kind of communicate with the outside world right right in some form yeah. we're not even talking to them directly we're just talking to each other and hope, hoping that someone's listening to it that's how right. we communicate with the outside world right right the, so someone... we're, we're definitely people to talk about conversations right yeah it's like oh yeah we don't yeah 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 for sure i don't i don't know we haven't solved my problem well we haven't really solved it i want answers but this is one of those things where i'm i'm afraid that there aren't very many good answers i think the 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 true practical solution or Mm -hmm. not necessarily a solution but the state of things Mm -hmm. is like we're talking about things are getting harder because there's more niches in the world Mm -hmm. but skill in getting to know people first is helpful in the overall ability to have conversation with others okay that's the state of things right i don't say there's i don't think there's a silver bullet but the more you can find out about a person's interests directly and get to know who they are the easier the conversation becomes naturally right right but now let's get into real solutions here <laughs> how, can, how can we force <laughs> conversation to always occur (laughs) um we could oh i I have an idea okay so here's what you do you have a little resume okay a little a little sheet of paper that you can carry around that like when you meet someone for the first time you hand them your resume and you say all right (laughs) take a look at these things get to know me a little bit and then and then we can talk you know take a take a minute to look over this sheet and they would in in the ideal world they would hand you theirs and so that in a in a very short moment you can get to know at least something about each other and then from there conversation topics could bring spring up like that would make it a lot easier you know oh you're interested in in baking well i'm interested in baking like we could talk about baking i made these cookies blah 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 Aaron, blah. I, I love your idea it's actually the same form as mine yeah <laughs> but you're you're totally using archaic technology here. <laughs> what happens is everyone fills out uh-huh. on their phone <laughs> an app right that just uh-huh. is the description of yourself and okay. then it, then it puts certain topics on the screen random tv shows random mm-hmm. subjects you might like etc and you rank them on a scale of like one to 10 of how interested you are in that thing. Okay. Yeah. And you don't even have to put in everything. It doesn't have to be a list of like 700 things. It could right, be right. a deep learning model that actually figures out essentially what you like based on the random things it gave you. Right. And right. interpolates through the data. Right. 
and then you have a profile. Okay. Beautiful. Okay. Yeah. Then just just like that one app we were going to design uh-huh. that mm-hmm. the, tells you what direction people are heading, mm-hmm. the navigation so you can avoid app, them. Yep. 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 Same idea. When you get close to someone, if they have similar interests, it it highlights. <gasps> like you guys both said ten on this topic. That's amazing. <laughs> and then it maybe maybe it has like top five things you both liked, uh-huh. and the top five things they liked overall. Right. So you right. know what you like overall for each other for connections and then you like what they are passionate about or you find out what they are passionate about. Mm -hmm. And so you just have a quick summary. So even like as they're approaching, (laughs) you can just like quickly, quickly without the phone (laughs) and you're like, Oh, okay. And then you walk towards each other and then you know instantly what to ask them about because you know their top interests and your top connections oh, man, to each other. Oh, man, that would be so creepy, though. Like, <laughs> you walk in, you're walking up to somebody to go say hi for the first time, and they're like, hello. He- hello, so-and-so. Hello, Aaron. How are you doing today? <laughs> would you like to talk about orbital trajectories? And you're like, <laughs> weird and very weird. <laughs> it's a good solution. It works. If I found someone, as I was just walking down the road, and they happen to like the Hey Arnold TV show and deep learning models and physics, right? Yeah, like, yeah. That would be really cool to just randomly run into someone that has all those same connections that I have. Right, right. Because well, then you could this – is, this is even better. It doesn't have to be people you were going to have a conversation with. It could be anybody because then you know what you could do? You can actually expand your friend base really easily Right. because you can say, hey – you right there, like, hey, you, hey, Joe, stop right there, you know, and then wander over and talk story with them for like a minute or two. Bam, <laughs> friendship achieved or acquaintance. You can have I also instant rejection of people that you shouldn't waste your time talking to. Exactly. Exactly. You'll walk up to, you'll walk past somebody and it'll just all red, you know, red lines on everything. Just everything's wrong. And you're like, okay, nope, not going to have a conversation. You, They start walking towards you and then they look at their device and you look at yours and then you turn around from each other and walk away from each other because you're like, this isn't going to work. We're not going to be friends about these things. Uh-oh. I see you like disco music and art history. Yeah, and... yeah. You I like think... reality TV? Okay, this just this just isn't gonna happen. <laughs> I have to go home now. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, I have to leave. It would help with parties too. Parties are the most awkward social situations that exist to man. At least to me, they exist. And right. They exist to make me uncomfortable and grumpy about things. Aaron, I have your, <laughs> have your solution to parties. Oh, okay. Just don't go. Oh. <laughs> that's, that's what I do. Thank you, David. <laughs> Not you, worth it. You freed me. <laughs> <laughs> no amount of apps or technology can ever solve the problem. Right. Of how awful parties are. It's like, there's like a certain, like, I'm trying to figure it out, but there's like, like if you get a certain number of the right kinds of people in a room, like it's really fun. Right. And any other combination of, or amounts of people, and it turns into just like, horrible awkward nonsense you know it's just horrible <laughs> right. I, I i like it i don't like having to look at the phone though if there was a way it could be like a retinal display <laughs> that's what i was gonna say you just wait long enough and that will be the case <laughs> Google we, we just need to develop back. the technology now so people are familiar with it right. so that when we get robotic eyes we'll just be ready for that adaptation 
Right, yeah. right. When when we can just look at a person and have a complete summary of who they are and their life, <laughs> you know, it seems really creepy if you have a robot eye do that. But yeah. if your phone's already doing that, it will seem less creepy after right. we make that transition. Right, so. <laughs> right, right. No, that's that's great. I I can only see good things. Like <laughs> this could only interconnect society more because. Because there's no, it takes the guesswork out of like trying to figure out what people are interested in. Like you have something to talk about with people, you know, and you can, you could stay up to date and you can, ah, it's, I just, I, right. I, I can only see good things. One of my concerns was like trenching people. Like all of a sudden, like you, you gather all of your follows and followers into a certain camp and like, ah, oh, now we're, we're red team versus blue team now and green teams over there just futzing around, you know, but, but that's not how it is. Cause because people have enough, I think people have enough interest and enough connected topics of conversation that you could actually, like this would, you would actually right. disperse crowds. You know, you disperse these groups of people. Well, especially if you're just talking about like where people are physically located. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You're not going to have a huge group of people that happen to live right next to you that have only the exact same interests. <laughs> right, right. Well, and there's no way to get them all the same interests because – because if you take one interest point, you okay. You say, okay, I want a hundred people around me with this point of interest, and then each person can choose their own, and they all choose different ones. Right. All of a sudden, all of a sudden, you've got like thousands of people with varying interests of all kinds all around you. Right. That's genius. I love it. I love it. I mean, <laughs> there is a whole like identity theft and security issues you have to deal with, but. We we solved the conversation problem. We'll leave that to somebody else. Right, right. That's not that's not my job. My job is to solve the one problem that I placed in front of myself, which is conversation <laughs> starters. No matter how many problems the solution gives, we at least solve the problem that <laughs> right. was placed in front of us. Right. Well, I mean, we that's can, all that matters. We can work out. We can we can brainstorm better ideas later. We can we can iron out the details later. You know, we just we just need a starting point somewhere for the many followers to take up arms and begin using their talents to to grow and expand and exert our will upon the world. That's what I want. This is what I desire, as I have said before. <laughs> I have one more thing for you. Okay. I want to end on a problem well solved. Okay, I'm I'm down. Are are you familiar with winter roller coasters or winter coasters? You know, what? I think I am. Is this is this? Are you talking about where they ride where people get together and ride roller coasters in the wintertime because it's cold? Not quite. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about then. Okay, so while while I was at this conference, it was in a snowmass village in mm-hmm. Colorado. So it's just this beautiful ski resort. Really, really fun to walk around. But I can't ski. Okay, yeah. <laughs> so so the, the conference was scheduled, actually. It's kind of interesting. They they had all the – usually you would think, oh, conference would be like 9 to 5, and then everyone gets the evenings off, right? Yeah, yeah. But because it was a ski resort, they had mornings off from like 8 to 1 o'clock huh. or 2 o'clock. And then you'd go from like 2 to 10 o'clock at night it'd go really late because everyone else would want to go ski and then they'd do the conference in the evening when it was dark and they couldn't ski anymore yeah okay anyways point being had all this free time where they were kind of letting us go ski if we wanted to but i can't ski i don't want to pay to go skiing (laughs) not interested in learning not interested in trying like this not a fun thing (laughs) that's happening but what happened is I, i still wanted to enjoy it i was like well i'm on a ski resort i should do something okay yeah 
And they had a tubing kill, which was a lot of fun. Okay. Yeah. And they had what's called a winter roller coaster. Okay. Or I think they just call it the winter coaster. Okay. So what they do is you're on a ski hill, right? Mm-hmm. Middle of this forested area. Mm-hmm. And so they put you in this little like bobsled type looking thing where you strap yourself in and they just take you up the ski slope on the coaster for like a good five minutes. Like it takes a while to get up there because wow. you're not really, yeah. you're not like on a regular co- roller coaster. You have the kind of the suspense of, Oh, I'm falling this big, huge height. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And so you look down and you're like, Oh, if I fall off this, like I'm dead. Right. Right. Yeah. You, um, you can look straight down through, through the floor of the coaster to, to your in, inevitable de- demise. <laughs> right. But on a, on a, a slope, you don't have that limitation. You can go as high as you want because you're just going along the mountain. You're not like constantly looking down going, oh, man, I'm going higher. I'm going higher. So you can just keep going up and up. And so they just take you up the hill for a good five minutes. Mm -hmm. And then you're on this bobsled and you just kind of free fall down for a two-minute roller coaster just going in between the trees and the snow. So it was actually really cool because it's super pretty, Uh right? all the snow and all the trees and you're just on kind of this metal coaster that kind of winds you back through and it was still pretty fast. So it was really fun. I really enjoyed it, but you do have to wear gloves because it gets it's, really cold. It's because it's cold. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, is it, so it's like on a metal, like a, like a bobsled track. Like it's a, it's a track. Yeah. So it's, it's, okay. it's a track. Like you're not free. You're not just you're like, not like free sliding back and forth, but <laughs> right. They weren't just like, Oh, here's the ski hill. Go down it on a bobsled instead. Like have fun. Right. 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 Push no, it's on a definite track and okay. your seat belted in, but yeah, it's, it's just not, it's not, it's not designed like a regular coaster mm-hmm. because it's trying to get kind of the thrill of being up really high and doing loops. This is more just let's meander back and forth through the woods but going super fast that you couldn't go through on skis. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. They basically took the wooded area that they couldn't ski down, you know, and be too <laughs> yeah. many trees yeah. and put a coaster in between all of them. <laughs> to oh, that sounds amazing. On. Yeah. That so sounds... it was really fun and it was really cool. There's only one problem with it though. Okay. You, you get to control your speed. You actually have the oh, handle no. on the side. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, so in my mind, I'm like, okay, Straight down, you know, fast full, as possible. Full speed. <laughs> Don't touch the handle. Like that's what that's what cowards do. Cowards touch the handle. <laughs> <laughs> right. But there's some people that would do it and they'd like, Oh, let's enjoy going yeah. through the trees. They like, what ride... are you doing here? <laughs> they want to ride taking their pictures the... and stuff. Oh, uh, uh, yeah. mm, that might be a deal breaker. <laughs> I do not want to be stuck behind some somebody riding their brake all the way down the hill like come on we're here for the thrill we're here for the speed it can handle going down without using the brake that's what it's built for like it's just like a coaster (sighs) yeah so i only had that happen once though i gotta ride it three times and Mm -hmm. the first time actually was the first one there so no one was in front of me oh nice right and the third time i said i want to go down fast and they said well let the other car in front of you go up the hill Mm-hmm. for a while and then we'll let you go so that hopefully there's plenty of space yeah and i didn't run into any issues there nice but, but yeah in my mind it's like just get rid of the handles like come on just yeah. you're gonna do it yeah. do it full speed <laughs> <Yeah>. take it <laughs> there should be two coasters if there's gonna be a slow one 
<laughs> yeah. There should be the sightseeing coaster and right. the real coaster. The, the kitty coaster and the big kid coaster. Yeah. <laughs> if you ever get the chance, you, you should do a winter coaster. I think okay. there's actually one near us. Yeah, yeah. Obvi- obviously, it's not as great as a, a true-blown roller coaster, but... Right. For not having any coasters during the winter, it's kind of nice to have a, that experience. It's very good. I Doubly, it's nice because the, the bobsled it is a different kind of experience than a roller coaster. And so it's like, I, I, I'm interested. I like I like the sound of it. And I'm, I'm, I'm super interested. You'll have to tell me. you have to point me in the right direction and wait another nine months. <laughs> yeah. I guess we're almost out of it. <laughs> Well, 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 we've come to the end once again. <laughs>